Well, good morning to church. Good morning to you watching online as well. As Bruce said, my name is Riley Lester, and I'm one of the pastors here on staff, and it's my privilege this morning uh, to uh, fill in for Micah. Micah, we love you, and we're praying for you. Um, but this morning, we're going to jump in into the Lord's Supper. But before we do that, I don't know about you all, but I'm excited that college football is back, okay? Uh, we got some five people here, you know. Uh, raise your hand if your team won yesterday. And if you're a Clemson fan, just, I'm, I'm sorry, uh, you know, but no, and um, but I'm excited, not necessarily because of the football. I do enjoy the football, not only that, but high school football started back up, so Friday Night Lights, and there's just a lot going on this time of the year. And when it comes to this time of the year, when it comes to football, I begin to think about tailgating, okay, and different traditions. You know, you come out and you bring certain foods out. I was watching College Game Day, and now they have like a special about the best tailgating area with the best food and different things. And for my family, one of the traditions we have is chicken wings, okay? It started by accident, but now it's a staple in our home that every Saturday night, my wife and I, we order chicken wings, and that's what we eat. Put our son to bed, because it's hard to feed a baby and eat chicken wings at the same time. And so we put him to bed, and then we have our chicken wings. But you see, food is an important part of our society and culture. Think about it. Holidays, you have certain foods. Thanksgiving, usually it's a turkey. Christmas, you have ham. Uh, maybe this week, maybe today or tomorrow, you're going to cook out in honor of Labor Day. And you men, you're going to labor on the grill when you're not supposed to labor at all. But it's okay uh, because you get the fruits of your labor and have a very delicious meal. Um, think about this. It is now fall, so Starbucks has officially brought back their pumpkin spice. And because of that, every millennial female is excited and in heaven right now, okay? Um, by show of hands, if you've had a pumpkin spice, anything from Starbucks, raise your hand. A few of you, okay? A few of you, and definitely a younger crowd that raised their hand, all right? Um, but they're excited for that. So, again, food is a very important part of what we do as people and in our society. And if you look through the Bible, that was true in the times of Jesus as well. That was time in the Old Testament. When you read the Old Testament, you read about the Jewish people and different rich, uh, meals they had over certain times of the year and different ritualistic things they had to follow for those meals. You get to the New Testament and we read about Jesus ministering in homes, having meals with people, feeding 5,000. And so when you, you read scripture, you notice this theme of, hey, food's kind of important, okay? Um, it also says don't eat too much food, don't be a glutton, but we won't go on that today. But you see, I want to tell you this morning about the most important meal ever mentioned in, in the Bible. In fact, it's the most important meal in all of history, and I'm sure you know what I'm talking about, but that is the Lord's Supper communion. And now, I've been a part of different churches throughout uh, my life, and each church I've been a part of has done the Lord's Supper a little differently. Some take it every single Sunday morning. Some have special services in the evenings, and, and some take them more than often or less than often, and they do different things with it, but they all observe it. But before we observe the Lord's Supper this morning, I want us all to ask a question that many of us may actually have never asked before. And that question is this, what is the Lord's Supper? I think oftentimes for myself, I grew up in church from the day I was born and am still in church now. And I don't think I've ever really stopped and asked, my, asked myself the question of what is the Lord's Supper? I was just told, hey, take my parents and hand it to me, and I'd take it, and I, that was about it. The pastor said, eat, I would eat, said drink, and I would drink. But today, I want us to look at that question. And in order to answer that question, I believe the best, best place to start is in Scripture where Jesus was sitting at the table with his disciples for the very first Lord's Supper. So if you have a copy of God's Word or you have a phone or a tablet, if you would turn with me to Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22. 
22, and we're going to read about the Lord's Supper. And Luke, is Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, you have the four Gospels in the New Testament. It's the fourth Gospel there uh, towards the end of the book. But if you would read with me here, starting in verse 14. And when the hour came, he reclined at the table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup after they had eaten, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. So in these verses, we're going to see two things that Jesus tells us to do. As we answer the question of what is the Lord's Supper, I want to point out three things that really the Lord's Supper encourages us and tells us to do. And and the first thing we're encouraged to do is to look back. See, here, Jesus and his disciples, they're observing the Passover meal. And some of you may not know what the Passover meal is, but by saying that he desired to eat this Passover with his disciples, that he wanted to do this before he suffered, what he's doing is Jesus is encouraging his disciples. He's encouraging those at the table to look at what's about to happen through the lens of the Passover. Jesus wanted them to use the past to interpret the future. Passover was and still is a major Jewish holiday that commemorates and remembers God's deliverance of his people out of Egypt. If you've read the Old Testament, you'll read about the Israelites, how they were slaves in Egypt. And then God uses Moses and he goes, and Moses goes to Pharaoh with a message. And the message from God is this, let my people go. And as you can imagine, Pharaoh being the ruler of the time, he was not happy about that. That message didn't go over well, so what does Pharaoh do? He says no. And God doesn't like no necessarily, and so what does God do? He sends plagues to Egypt. And the last of those plagues is the plague of the death of the firstborn. So the the Lord says, hey, look, the firstborn in every family is going to die unless you take the blood of a lamb and put it over your doorpost." See, in Exodus chapter 12, you can read about how, G- how the Jews, they slaughtered lambs, and they took that blood, and they covered their doorposts, and when the angel of death came by their house, it passed over their homes, and their firstborn was spared. And ever since this occurred, the Jewish people have been celebrating Passover as a meal, a meal of remembrance, which they would reflect on and look back at God's salvation for them and their family. On the night Jesus had this meal with his disciples, he encouraged them to look back at God's provision in order to prepare them for what was going to happen later. He was telling the disciples, hey, look at the history of your people. Look at what Passover really means. And as you observe that, as you think of that, use that now to think about what I'm about to do. You see, our perspective changes everything. 
And so Jesus wanted to make sure that his disciples had the right perspective as they took this holy and precious meal. So, so now the disciples, they are, they are looking back at Passover. They're reflecting on God's deliverance. They're reflecting on God's covenant with them. But then Jesus encourages them to do something different. He said, hey, now that you've looked back, I now want you to, number two, look forward. Look back at what God's done. Look back at God's providence and God's deliverance. But now look forward. You see, as you read this, this particular Passover meal takes a turn when Jesus not once but twice mentions the coming of the arrival of the kingdom of God. Twice he, said, he mentions this idea of the kingdom of God showing up and arriving. And the implications of Jesus' words was that the Lord's Supper, what he was doing right then and there, was anticipating the future work of the Messiah. You see, Jesus hadn't completed the work of the Messiah yet. As the Messiah, there was still work to be done, and we know that work was to die on the cross for our sins. It says, hey, I want you to look forward to what is happening. Look forward to the work, his death, his burial, his resurrection that would inaugurate the kingdom of God. And Jesus brings the focus of his disciples to the glorious future of the Messiah. As he breaks the bread and passes the cup, and he says, do this in remembrance of me. And then this is a new covenant. You see, in a holy moment where faithful believers are gathered to look back and remember God's covenant promise, look back and remember God's faithfulness, Jesus, who showed them out of giving them out of Egypt, Jesus says, hey, in light of all of that, I want you to look forward to a new covenant. Look forward to a new covenant that be ratified by his death on the cross. There is now going to be new redemption, new salvation, new deliverance, not just out of slavery, but redemption out of slavery of sin and death. And so he says, hey, number one, look back at what God's done. And in light of what God's done, look forward to what I am fixing to do for you. Again, he used the past to interpret the future and in the present. So they begin to look forward on what is going. And you see the mention of the new covenant to Christ's blood. It meant that the prophesied new covenant, when he says this is a covenant by my blood, it means it was only going to be fulfilled and ratified by the death on the cross. And so as we take part in the Lord's Supper this morning, we are to remember his body and his blood that was broken and poured out for us. And in scripture, there's two passages that really talk about the Lord's Supper. We have this passage in Luke, but then also you have a passage in 1 Corinthians. And one thing I like to do with our students in the student ministry is I like to give them a little Bible trivia I say, hey, do you know this? And I say, hey, when you get home, ask your parents this question so you can stump them and you can sound smart, okay? Uh, so parents, I'm sorry if, you've ever, if your kid ever stumped you, my fault. Um, but I want our students to know the Bible. And the reason we call it the Lord's Supper is actually not because of anything Jesus said, because that's what Paul referred to it in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Paul, as he's instructing the church in Corinth how to observe the meal, 
We'll read it in a second, but three times Paul reiterates one important theme. In fact, the most important theme in the entirety of the Lord's Supper. And that theme is this, the main purpose is to draw participants' attention to the centrality of Christ's saving work on the cross. That when Paul, we're going to read in a second, as he implements the Lord's Supper and instructs the church at Corinth, he tells them, look, look at what God did for you. Look at what Jesus did for you. This is the central purpose of what we're doing, the fact that Jesus died for your behalf. And as you read the two accounts of the Lord's Supper, there's really only one difference. And the one difference is how Paul ends the meal. With Jesus, he encouraged his disciples to look back and then to look forward. But when Paul closes the meal, when he's instructing the church at Corinth, he brings about a third thing. And he encourages the church and encourages us today, it's number three, to look within. Jesus says, hey, look back in light of the Passover. Look back on the deliverance of my people out of Egypt. Look, look back on the fact that it was the blood of the lamb that the angel passed by. It was the blood that covered your family. And use that to look forward to what I'm fixing to do. Use that to look forward to the blood I am going to spill for you. And as Paul is implementing this, Paul says, now I want you to look within. Look what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 27. It says this, whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and the blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. Paul here says, look, if you participate in the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner, you are drinking judgment onto yourself. You are bringing judgment to yourself. When people participate in an unworthy manner, they're guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. And traditionally, this idea of being unworthy, what it relates back to is this idea of having unconfessed sin in your life. That Paul is saying, hey, if there's sin in your life, you have not confessed to the Lord. If there is sin in your life, if you're mad at someone and you have not gone to them and said, hey, I need, to forgive, I need your forgiveness. I've been bitter against you. I've held a grudge against you. Or maybe you've wronged someone and you need to apologize. And you have this unconfessed sin in your life. What Paul is saying is if that's you and you take the Lord's Supper, you're actually drinking judgment onto yourself. And it'd be better that you not partake in it at all. And so we have this idea when it comes to the Lord's Supper that we are encouraged to do three things. We are encouraged, again, to look back. We are invited to reflect on what Jesus has done for us. Redemption, covenant, faithfulness, salvation, if you are a believer in this room and for all of us, we can look back on God's hand in our lives. One of my favorite things to do in life, I tell my students to do it all the time, is to take a mental journal, if you will, of my life. 
and look back at God's faithfulness and all these different scenarios and how he's gotten me where I am today. And it all starts with salvation. It all starts with the idea of the sovereignty of God. And so we are to look back at the faithfulness of the Lord. And then we are told to look forward, look forward in eager anticipation of the day, of the day that the Lord will return and come back and bring his eternal kingdom here on earth. The day Jesus will come again and finish what he started. The day he will make all things new. And each time we observe the supper, we look back on what he's done and we look forward to what he will one day do. That one day there will be no more pain, there will be no more suffering, there will be no more pandemic, there will be no more anything. But God will come back and bring forth a perfect and holy kingdom. And so we look back, we look forward, and then we look within. Paul tells us that we must examine ourselves. We must look at our lives so that we do not come to the table in an unworthy manner. I want to make this very clear. If you're watching online, if you're here in the room, listen very intently here. Our worthiness is not found in anything we do. Only Jesus makes us worthy. Only Jesus gives us our worth. So as you think about this, of, of coming to the table in an unworthy manner, you cannot make yourself worthy enough to take the meal. Only Jesus and his blood and his righteousness covering us can make us worthy. He makes us worthy. And it's only by placing our faith and trust in him and offering our lives as a living sacrifice that we become worthy to share in this meal. And, and that is why we as a church, we say and we believe that the Bible tells us the Lord's Supper is only for believers. That this is a, this table is somewhat closed. You're saying, man, man, Pastor Riley, that's kind of like offensive. Like, wait, you, I can't come to it? You see, the table is only for believers. We're not trying to exclude anyone. Because yes, it's only for the believers, but you're gonna say, hey, this is contrasting. No, it's not. But the Lord's table is open to everyone. However, the table is in the dining room. And in order to get to the table, you have to go through the front door. And that front door has a name, and his name is Jesus. You see, John 14, um, verse six says this. I, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The table is open for everyone. But you see, in order to get to the table, you have to first go through Jesus. It was the blood of the lamb that covered the families. For us, it was the blood of the perfect lamb, Jesus that covers us. And it is only if we walk through that, if we go through Jesus who is the way, the truth, and the life that we can get to the Father, that we can get to a seat at the table so we can take the meal. So it's for believers only, yes. If you're not a believer, you're excluded, but guess what? Today, you can walk through the front door and you can go to the table and see your name plate on a seat. 
So as we take the Lord's Supper, we look back on what God has done. We look forward to the coming kingdom of God. And then we look within. We begin to ask ourselves, is there sin in my life? Is there anything unconfessed in my life? Is there something that the Lord knows is going on that I have not once admitted back to him? Or maybe you look within and go, do I even belong at the table? Have I gone through the door? Have I entered the house of the Lord? And if you're in the room this morning, you would say, you know what, Riley? I can't sit at the table because I've never walked through that door. I've never taken advantage of that free key that's been handed to me. That key that is salvation, the key that is Jesus' death on a cross for our sins. And in this morning, you're you're saying to yourself, God's convicting your heart, saying that I want a seat at the table. I want to partake in that meal in a worthy manner. And again, it's only by Jesus that we can be called worthy. And if that's you here this morning, if you would simply just pray something like this, you pray in your heart again, it is not the words that save you, it's not this prayer, but it is the posture and the attitude of your heart believing that Jesus died on the cross for your sins. We just saw here earlier with baptisms. And, and Pastor Greg mentioned Romans 10, 9, that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. doesn't say maybe you'll be saved, one day you'll be saved. It says you will be saved. If you confess your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will have a seat at the table and you can partake in this meal. So if you're in the room today, if you're watching online, and you've never placed your faith and trust in Jesus, simply pray something like this in your heart. Just say, Father God, right now I acknowledge that I'm outside of the home. And God, I want to come in, I want to come to your table And I know that the only way in is through Jesus. And this morning, I believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. I believe that he died on a cross for my sins. I believe he was buried and three days later rose again. And right now, I put my faith and trust in him.
Father, come into my heart. Take over my life. I give myself to you. Now, if you just prayed that prayer in the room or if you're online, I believe that in those moments when God does work with us, if it's real, we tell somebody. Because here's the deal, this may be harsh to sound, but if you are ashamed to tell someone, hey, I put my faith and trust in Jesus, then you may not be ready to take your seat at the table. I am proud to be a part of the family of God. I am proud of my status as a child of God. I'm proud that I get to sit at the table. So if you prayed that prayer this morning, again, in the room or online, and you meant it, would you simply do this to let us know? You can go to crosspointchurch.com slash decision. Or you can text, this, text Jesus to 678-255-2566. Again, crosspointchurch.com slash decision. Or text Jesus to 678-255-2566. One of the best parts about being part of the family of God and having a seat at the table is those around you is those around you who can encourage you and help you along the way. And so if you let us know that you made that decision, we can help you along the way and guide you and disciple you. So at the beginning of this message, I said I wanted to answer the question of what is the Lord's Supper? And now we could give you a deep, you know, huge theological answer. I could read you textbooks. But very simply, the Lord's Supper is an invitation for us to look back, to look forward, and to look within. And as we do those things, you know what we see? We see Jesus. We look back and we see all that he's done for us. We look forward and see the day he will return. And we look within and we see his presence and it's the only thing that makes us worthy. So the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, starting in verse 24. And again, if you are a believer in this room, this is for you. And I ask, if you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus, no one's looking around, don't be ashamed, but just simply just put your cup down next to you. And my prayer is that one day you too can take the supper with us. But 1 Corinthians 11, verse 24 says this. And we had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And there's verse 25 says this. In the same way, he also took the cup after the supper, saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this 
as often as you drink in remembrance of me. Father God, we love you. And we thank you so much for who you are. God, thank you for the blood of Jesus that was shed on the cross for our sins. Thank you for his body that was broken. God, we thank you that we can look back on that work on the cross. And because of that, we can look forward to eternity with you. And may we always look within our lives and see your presence and acknowledge who you are and may it guide and direct us each and every day. Father, we love you. And it's in Jesus' holy, precious, and perfect name we pray. Amen.